You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. And I'm really excited and honored to share with you tonight a little snippet of Cherish Conference. So, Pastor Mike, no emerge yet. We got Cherish in the building tonight. Come on, girls, that's right. It's okay, men, don't tune out. I've got some some real pearls of wisdom for you too, okay? Um, So I'm excited, though, to be able to share just a little facet of some of the things that were spoken about at conference. And I really believe it applies to to everyone. And so um, tonight, the title of my message is called, You Can Change Everything. You Can Change Everything. I have been obsessed with the book of Daniel, And the reason why I've been obsessed lately with the book of Daniel, I've been reading it over and over and over again, is because I'm like, we are living in just like, like a parallel from where Daniel was living. And God began to reveal to me how to live in that kind of world. And I really believe just like in Daniel's time and just like in our time, we are living in an ungodly society with ungodly government with ungodly indoctrination trying to come in. But smack dab in the middle of ungodly mess, we see Daniel splash on the pages of the Bible and teach us how to live. So we're gonna learn how to live in this society that we find ourselves, in the times that we find ourselves in today. And I find it fascinating, you know, Daniel was, we know between the ages of 13 and 17, when he was kidnapped. And he was virtuous, the Bible says he was noble, he was handsome, he was doing all the right things. And the enemy came, the world came and snatched him out, literally kidnapped him, and brought him to another nation to then indoctrinate him. And I find, you know, the same can happen to us where we are living our lives and maybe we just become a Christian and we start to do the right things and we're being who God has called us to be. And then all of a sudden, we get like attacked by the enemy. We're like, what in the world is happening? Can I put it to you that maybe we are being attacked because we are a Christian? Maybe we're being attacked because we have something to stand for? We have something that people want from us. So we don't need to ask the question when we get out, why am I attacked? I am a Christian. We have Christ on the inside of us and there is an anti-Christ spirit that does not like Christ within us. If we're not being attacked, we should ask why. What am I standing for? What am I believing? And believe you me, we teach it all day long how, you know, when attacks comes, we know how to break through. But I'm just saying, take it as a level of, you know what, honor that, that, that I'm being attacked because it means I have something to stand for. And I was thinking about Daniel and how he was kidnapped. And, you know, I had an interesting experience in my very own life. Um, When I was, um, as many of you know, I grew up on the mission field. I'm from New York and moved to Ecuador. Um, My family were missionaries there. And my parents were very much um, kind of the apostles, if you will, of Ecuador. They were the ones that started churches. They started hospitals. They started orphanages. They started a youth ministry and a kids ministry. So as people that were starting all of these things, as I was growing up as a teenager, I didn't have a ton of Christian friends. 
because they were just starting all of these things. And I began to see, even in my teenage years, just everything kind of going awry. I saw friends, um, you know, that are teenagers that were winding up pregnant, going to addictions, all these things. And I had gotten saved when I was four years old, and there was something in me that was like, I don't want to go in that direction. And I knew that if I stayed where I was at, that was inevitable. And so I campaigned and shared with my parents that I had found a Christian international boarding school in the capital city of Ecuador. And I'm like, I just, you know, I just want to be a Christian. I just want to do the right things. And, you know, I, I see all my friends and what's happening to them, and I don't want to go that route. So I literally begged, campaigned, did everything I could. Well, they went and they checked the whole thing out and realized, you know what, this might be a really good thing for me. So um, off I embarked at 16 years old to this um, international, Christian international boarding school. And uh, I remember I walked in, and the minute the, the dorm door closed, I was like, something is very wrong, really wrong. And what I didn't know was that a week before, they had switched out the dorm parents, our caretakers, over this whole dorm that I was going to be staying at in order to go to this school. And um, each kind of dorm was its own denomination. And um, this was meant to be the one that was filled with the spirit, liberated all the things. But that couple got promoted out of their role, and they just decided to just slip in a new couple real quick that none of the parents had met and I found myself in a place where everything that I was and everything that I believed began to come under attack. And they had decided that they were going to introduce their own rules, that they were not just going to abide by what was. They told us that we were not to have any extracurricular activities. We were to have no social life. We were only to go from the school to the dorm. I knew that things got real bad when they told me I no longer had parents. Don't worry, I was sassy at 16 too, so I was like, oh, yes, I do. <laughs> Their names are Lauren and Robert Capaldi. Um, I had to stand for what I knew in my heart of hearts to be true in that environment. And they, the manipulation, the control, all the things started to happen. And uh, they would monitor our phone calls. And I remember calling my parents and going, I am in crazy town. Like I just entered something crazy. And they're like, Stacy, you know, is it? It's just a new school and it's a big transition. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's crazy. And they knew enough about me to know that I know when crazy is crazy. And so they're like, so they start calling in. And I remember one of the conversations the dorm parents had telling them why I was never allowed to leave. And my parents are like, look, I sent Stacy there, not for straight A's. Because they were telling me how I had to have straight A's and all this stuff. And so they said, I, if you know Stacy at all, like she has no intention of becoming a rocket scientist. Don't worry about her straight A's. I sent her there for a social life. And they were like, you know, completely baffled. And after those conversations, it would only get worse for me. And so finally, my friend and I decided we needed to escape. And we were the oldest ones in the dorm. And so we were like, look, there were children all the way down to seven years old that were under the most ridiculous of control. And we knew things were going to get really bad. And so um, we had learned all of the systems, all of the time schedules, and we planned an escape. And 
when they went out to go do their shopping, we made a run for it, and we ran to the previous dorm parents' house. We knew where it was, and so we ran there. We were praying the whole time that they would be there. When we got there, we rang the alarm bell and opened the doors, and we just burst into tears, shared everything that was going on. They couldn't believe what they heard. They took it very seriously, and they said, listen, we're going to investigate. So over the next two weeks, they began to do random stop-bys and found very disturbing times as they walked in, that this was more like running a jail than it was a, a, a Christian dorm. And so um, they then went ahead and pulled their background checks, and they discovered that this couple was certified, both of them were certified sociopaths, they were confirmed psychotics, and they were hiding in ministry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, they were pulled right out, and uh, the previous dorm parents assumed the role and said if we decided to stay, that they would stay the rest of our time until we graduated because of what we had been through. Let me tell you something. When what you stand for and what you believe comes under attack, thank God that God designed us with courage. He actually designed us to be courageous. So I want to read about Daniel's experience because I was rescued after four months. The Bible never says that Daniel was ever rescued, but instead he turned the nation from the inside out. Daniel 1, 1 through 9 in the Amplified says this. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles of the house of God. And he brought them into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and brought the articles into the treasury of his God. And the Babylonian king told Aspenaz, the chief of the officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and from the nobles. Don't you find that interesting? The ungodly, who are they going after? Not their own children. They were going after the sons of Judah. They wanted our children. Okay, sons of Israel, including some from the royal family and from the nobles, young men without blemish, handsome in appearance, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with intelligence and discernment and quick to understand, confident to stand in the presence of the king and able to serve in the king's palace. He also ordered Aspenaz to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned a daily ration for them from his finest food and from the wine in which he drank. And they were to be educated and nourished this way for three years years so that at the end of the time they would be prepared to enter the king's service. Among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The commander of the officials gave them Babylonian names. Daniel he named Belteshazzar, Hananiah he named Shadrach, Mikael he named Meshach, and Azariah he named Abednego. But Daniel made up his mind, purposed in his heart, the Bible says, that he would not defile himself. He would not taint, he would not dishonor himself with the king's finest food or with the wine in which the king drank. So he asked the commander of the officials that he might be excused so that he would not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander and the officials. Daniel was a different breed of Christian. And I want to share five lessons um, from Daniel's life on how to be brave, how to live a fearless life in an ungodly society, under ungodly rulers, and ungodly government. Daniel's going to teach us. Are we ready? Okay. 
Point number one, Daniel had an excellent spirit. And from that spirit, he made good choices. You and I, when we receive the Lord, we receive the Father God who sent his son Jesus to die on a cross, resurrected three days later, who then, when he ascended to heaven, sent us the Holy Spirit to be with us always. The excellent spirit we have access to because that is the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. So we can actually lean into the Holy Spirit to make good choices. And I want to tell us today, I think we need to learn how to get to know the Holy Spirit better instead of just work harder. The Bible says, when I am weak, he is strong. When I am weak, he is strong. So don't just try harder. Just begin to learn about the Holy Spirit on the inside of us better. Develop a relationship with him. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 11, but he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness, my mercies are more than enough, always available regardless of the situation. For my power is made perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weaknesses. Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may be completely enfolded to me, may dwell in me, so I am well pleased with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, and with difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak in human strength, then I am strong, truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's strength. How good is God? Extraordinary. Okay, point number two. Daniel did not compromise his identity, his beliefs, and his purity under pressure in secular indoctrination. This is pretty incredible. In Daniel's day, the training was very clear. It was total indoctrination. We read in the Bible that as soon as they took him captive, what did they do? Changed his name. What is that? Identity. They went straight after his, his identity. Then after identity, they brought in education, the Chaldeans, the most ungodly kind of indoctrination and education in that time, in that era. And that was the education he was going to have. And then thirdly, they brought him ungodly food that would nourish him. But I love Daniel because when they came and they tried to change his name, he already knew who he was. When they tried to re-educate him, he already knew his beliefs. But when it came time to have him feed off of the unclean at that, he said, not on my watch. We're going to get into that in just a second. Daniel asked his direct oversight to not eat the food, to not defile himself. Number three, Daniel purposed and resolved in his heart to not defile himself, to not compromise. When it came to the food, Daniel understood something. This was not just about the food, you guys. This wasn't like, oh, it's fatty and sugary and dairy, and I shouldn't have that. This was, this was Daniel saying, I will not be nourished by uncleansliness. I will not, his words are clear, defile myself. I will not be nourished on foods that you serve to gods that are not my God. This is way more than doing a Daniel fast. This is doing a Daniel life. The beautiful thing about Daniel and the purity that, that Daniel carried was that he could rise in, in, in his day. There weren't the skeletons in the closet. And it doesn't mean that he didn't sin, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. 
But he, the Bible says he purposed in his heart. I think purposing in our heart, it's even more than just saying in our mind we won't do or not do something. He had a conviction. He knew who he was. And he lived from that place. See, I really believe that defilement comes from unresolved pain. That's why it's not like people set out to do horrible things that are gonna hurt themselves and others. It's that we've experienced a trauma, we've experienced a pain, and we, we, we're trying to cope, we're trying to get through, but can I put it to you today? Let's not cope, let's heal. Let's not cope, let's heal, because otherwise we just add to the problem. Oh, I'm lonely, and then we, we, we go to reach for alcohol. Great, now I'm lonely and an alcoholic. Double for my trouble. We've got to learn how to deal with the original issue. We can begin to grab for everything else to try to, to bring in a level of comfort, but it will be for a moment. Could we not instead actually go, you know what, I'm struggling in this area of my life. I do not want to feed on, I don't want to have uncleansliness on the inside of me. So I'm going to open up to a Christian friend. So I'm going to open up to a Christian leader. So I'm going to open up to a Christian therapist so that I deal with the original pain, ask God to come in and heal me from that place so that I do not reach for anything that is a substitute other than Jesus. So when we're talking about things like defilement, what am I talking about? There's many things. I would say in today's day, could we bring purity back? I'm so tired of bringing sexy back. I want to bring purity back to the house of God. I want to bring purity back. We should look and be different than the world. Is it hard? Yes. Is it possible? Yes. I'm going to talk about a few things that is preventative care. And believe you me, I understand. I've been doing pastoral care for over 20 years. I understand on how to help people heal from the stuff that we've been engaged in. But could we maybe purpose in our heart and learn to not go there? I'm just talking about some things that are going to prevent us from all of the pain that we do not need to dabble in. Purity looks like not having sex before marriage. Oh, I said it. <laughs> it looks like not having sex before marriage. We do not need unhealthy attachments and entanglements in our life that will mess us up when there's a covenant called marriage. Can I speak to the married people? Can we stop with the emotional affairs? It's a breach, it's an affair, any affair. It's time to deal with the root that caused it. These are very real issues, but we've got to address them in the right way. There is a plan out of those things, let's not add on to what already has hurt us. You know that studies have shown that casual sex before marriage hurts women especially because women are wired to want and need affection, not just to make love. Studies have shown that if you live together before marriage, you have a higher separation and divorce rate upwards of 80% higher than if you would have gotten married in the first place. So no favors there. After living together before marriage, people are more likely to cheat on their spouse after marriage. 
J. John says this, it seems that those who do not accept the boundaries of a traditional marriage early in a relationship are more likely to break marriage bonds later. Can we start to bring purity back? And this, there is no condemnation for all have sinned and fallen short and there is healing for each and every one of us. But could we purpose in our hearts like Daniel to not defile ourselves, to not go towards the uncleansly? We can do it. It will save us a lot of heartache and pain. Don't reach for the alcohol. Don't reach for the drugs. Those things that alter our minds, let us have the mind of Christ. Don't reach to anything that only God can satisfy. Don't reach to anything that only God will satisfy. It's time to do a Daniel life. Number four, Daniel confronted his inner circle and direct oversight before promotion. Make no mistake, before we confront the education boards, before we, we confront a, a presidency, before we confront the major issues of our day, we will confront our inner circle first. We will confront our family and our friends and our direct bosses and oversights. Today's day, we're fighting over the freedom to choose vaccination choose whether you want to be. I'm not saying get vaccinated or not. I'm saying we need to fight for the freedom to choose. But how many people know just that in itself are interesting conversations around the dinner table. Those are different ways of thinking. That's mother against daughter, son against father, friend against, I'm telling you, the Bible says that we will be hated just like Jesus was. Let us not be surprised in our hour. Take it as a badge of honor. Be, be, be careful in how you have those conversations. Do it with dignity and respect. But could we stand like Daniel stood when he realized he was about to be served food that would defile himself at that? He went to his direct oversight and said, I have a better, let me give you a plan. Could we work this out? He encouraged his boss to talk to his boss and it worked. God will give us unique strategy and design when we are confronted with very real issues of our day. Instead of getting in the fight, just get and look into heaven. God, give me the architecture. Give me the insight on how to fight this battle and be courageous and stand for the things that you call me to stand in for today. We are not born by accident. There's a reason why you are living here today at this exact hour to be courageous. We're fighting for freedoms. Let us confront who we need to confront that we might be raised up just like Daniel was. He went from that inner circle and he stood before the king. He was able to even turn the belief of a king back to godliness because of the way that he lived his life. We, like Daniel, can be brave and courageous too. Point number five is this, my last point. God granted Daniel favor and compassion. God granted Daniel favor and compassion. I find this fascinating because favor I understand. Favor will amplify the best in you. Favor will multiply your, your funds, prosperity. Favor will bring you before people you could never have stood in front of. Favor will amplify everything amazing and good in your life. Thank you for, for favor, Lord. 
I thank you for favor all the time. I'm known for it amongst my friends. Oh, you just have favor? Yeah, I do. I have great favor from God. Absolutely. Don't worry, at the end of this message, we're going to pray for favor too. God granted Daniel favor. It's amazing. But he said he granted him favor and compassion. Now at compassion, I just kind of stopped. And I just inquired of the Lord, well, why did he need compassion? And then I remembered a couple of years ago, I was flown to Nicaragua. Um, Pastors Jurgen and Leanne were invited on a trip uh, to go to Nicaragua. And it was surrounding a cause, the cause of compassion. And they couldn't make it, and so they asked Brianna Chittick at the time and myself. They're like, great, you've been missionary kids and you speak Spanish. How about you go to Nicaragua for us? You never know where you're wind up in the life of ministry. And so we said yes, and off we went to Nicaragua. And we find ourselves on a trip with Compassion International. Now, this wasn't just any trip. This was a trip where they were bringing in some, some heavyweights in our world because people like Mark Burnett, he was the director and creator of American Idol, um, a survivor, those types of shows. They, they were bringing in these kinds of people because they were wanting to attach a cause to some of the things that they were working on. They didn't just wanna be known for American Idol. They wanted to have a cause worthy of to, to give the world. And so they kind of formulated this trip. So we had them, he was married to Roma Downey. Um, she was the, the woman from Touched by an Angel. I'll date myself for that one. And then um, there were people like Jeff Foxworthy there, a Christian comedian, super cool. And then all of the big wigs of compassion, the, the CEO, the, the president, the COO, they were all there. And there's, and then all the mega church pastors, there was like all churches, like over 10,000 people. And there was Pastor Brianna and myself. Hi guys. <laughs> hey. And um, so we're on this trip and um, super fascinating uh, and getting, and I knew a lot about Compassion International, but one of the nights we were having dinner with everyone and I was chatting with, I believe he was the COO at the time, the Chief Operations Officer of Compassion International Worldwide. We we're having a chat. And I said to him, I said, they were talking about this explosive growth that they began to have some years back. And I said, well, what do you think is maybe like one of the number one contributing factors to the growth of Compassion International? And he looked at me and he kind of smiled and he said, I hired women. Come on, women. Don't worry, guys, it's gonna get good for you too. I hired women. And he said, I hired women because they are the hardest working people on the planet and they have compassion. If you hand them a worthy cause, there is nothing that they will not eradicate. There is nothing that will not be done when you hand a woman a worthy cause. So I'm like, wow, did not expect that answer. And then he goes, but let me tell you why. And I didn't share this at a conference. This is for, for, for us East Lakeans tonight. So he said, he said, you know, the reason why is because in my own life, in my own marriage, he said over, year, over a series of years, my wife started to become a shadow of who she was when I married her. And he said, if I was honest, it wasn't going very well. And he met with a Christian counselor and he began to realize that his old kind of theology and doctrine was not serving him well. 
And he began to realize, and he was a nice man, he was not a mean, horrible man, but he was not releasing his wife into her God-given calling. And she was beginning to shrink back and look like a shadow of who she once was, everything he loved about her. And he thought he was doing the right thing. His teaching from growing up was like, this is how he thought it was meant to be. He thought that's what submission looked like. The Christian counselor brought some correction and, and shared with him. He said, no, 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 no. You've got to learn what submission is. You've got to give her a mission. She, got, she needs to come under the covering of the most exciting mission that she could ever be a part of. You do that. She will come alive. So he began to change everything in the way that, that his marriage was. And he began to release his wife into her God-given calling. She was a boss of a woman. She had so much in the inside of her. And as he began to release her, their marriage was getting better and better and better. And he's like, oh my goodness, this has worked so well in my marriage. I'm gonna apply it to Compassion International. And thus began where there were men and women hired, understanding the cause in which they were hired for, compassion. And I find compassion very interesting. I began to understand that when you have compassion, you will overlook all kinds of attitude. You will overlook all kinds of problems and faults. Compassion will cause you to look on the inside of someone the way that God would. That regardless of sin, that regardless of the things that have been done or not done, that you are a human being worthy of love and respect. And that you can look beyond what was to what could be. Is that not Christ? So God granted Daniel favor. Oh, he brought him before kings. He brought him before nation leaders. But Daniel kept his heart pure before God and man and his purpose was clear, to restore the society back to God's original intent. Not his, God's. How many people know when we do it God's way? That's how we should do it. Daniel, a kidnapped teenager, but also a son of Israel, a son of the house, a son raised in church, who loved the Lord, took a fearless stand against an ungodly government and nation by living a non-compromising life. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den for praying out in the open, defying the government mandate at the time kind of feel like that now. He then rose to become a chief governor of Babylon, the world's greatest power at that time. The king of Babylon himself turned from his wicked ways, turned to God, and required that his people believe in the God of Daniel. Daniel's three friends were made high officials in the Babylonian kingdom. Daniel and his friends were never rescued that we know of but they lived the most brave, courageous life, all of their life, rising to heads of their nation. And I wanna say this, if you feel like, you know what, Pastor Stacy, I don't feel like I'm a Daniel yet. I don't feel like I'm a Daniela yet. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three friends brought along with Daniel, do you know that they, when, they, when their time came, because believe you me, each one of us will have a time to stand. That time is coming for all of us. And on that day, when, when it came to Daniel's friends, when they told Daniel's friends to bow 
to the king of that day, instead of bowing to Jesus himself, they turned up that fiery furnace. Do you know that on that day, Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they did not bow to the kings of this world. Instead, they stood their ground. And do you know that Daniel was not present? Daniel was not present when their time came, but because they hung around a Daniel, because they hung around a Daniela, they knew what courage looked like. They knew when it was time to be brave. They knew when it was time to take their stand. And on that day they stood. Oh, they did not bow. They stood for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They stood for Jesus Christ. They stood their ground. They defied the odds of the day. They were thrown into the fiery furnace and they did not burn. Jesus was with them. They looked into that fire. There were not three, there were four. Jesus was with them and revealed himself in that hour. I am telling you as we take a stand for Jesus, he is with us. Daniel 12, three says this, the end of the chapter, the end of the, the chapters in Daniel 12, it says, those who are spiritually wise will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. Those who are spiritually wise are the ones to lead people to real righteousness and truth. And on that day, they will shine like the stars in the heaven. We church are trying to, I'm preaching this message so that each one of us are not a flicker on earth, but that we will shine forever like the stars in the sky, that we will learn some principles of God that will serve us well for when our time comes. So if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I wanna stand too. It's time, when that time comes to me, I wanna stand. I want you just to rise and say, I wanna stand like Daniel. I wanna stand like a Daniela. I want to rise in my hour. It is time, friends. It's time to literally take a stand with a cause worth fighting for. Is God not the greatest cause on the planet? Standing for truth, the greatest cause on the planet. Standing for freedom by the truth of God. That is a cause worth fighting for. Come on, church. Oh, let's just give a clap and a praise to God himself. He is so good. He is so good. He's so good. Today, I wanna call us to be Daniels. Keep standing. I wanna call us to be Daniels and Daniela's of our generation. I want history books written about us that awakened church that stood for freedom, that stood for God in a time of darkness. Oh, they were the light on the hill. We couldn't put a basket on them. We couldn't cover them up. They shined like the stars in the heavens. Here's what I wanna do tonight. I wanna pray. And I wanna pray first for those of us that maybe have lived a compromising life, if we were honest. I wanna pray for those of us who, if we were honest with ourselves, are like, you know what? I have been caught up in sin. I, I have been caught up in things that were not pure, that I know that God that has God has called me higher. And if we really think about it, it's I'm sure all of us have an area of our life that God is working in and working some things out in. So I'm gonna ask all of us just to close our eyes. And I wanna lead all of us through a prayer 
of recognizing those areas in our life where maybe we know better, we know it in our head, but tonight it's time to purpose in our heart. And the thing is, you're one prayer away from changing everything. You're one prayer away from forgiveness. The Bible says that when we are, we confess our sins, that He will forgive us and remember them no more. Stop shaming yourself. Stop blaming yourself for your part in it. Yeah, it happened. Confess it. You will stand clean before the Lord. God is so good. The Bible says He will cleanse us. He will be like white as snow. How good is God? So we're gonna just take a little time and begin to think about that. Do a little self-assessment in your own heart. Let God shine the light on those areas of our heart that we need to give over to God tonight. And we need to invite Him in to begin the process of healing. And after tonight, we might need to confess that to a friend. Because while God forgives us, healing begins when we actually confess to one another. You don't just confess to anyone, you bring it before a trusted Christian person that can help guide you and walk out a plan if needed. Other things we could just give over to God and shift our ways. So we're gonna have a moment lead you through that prayer and then I'm gonna pray for favor and compassion. Like the likes of Daniel. Bible says when we ask, we will be given. So I'm gonna ask for favor. I'm gonna ask for compassion tonight. Would you just raise your hands to heaven? Just raise your hands to heaven. I don't say these things to point them out and make us feel uncomfortable. I say them because God so loves us. He so wants to heal us. He so wants to see, to, to ensure that we see ourselves as sons and daughters worthy of the most phenomenal Father and King. He loves us so much. So God, oh God, right now, Lord, we thank you that you are present. Lord, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for beginning to reveal to us the areas in our heart and our mind that we've given over to the devil, that we have chosen to sin. Lord, we confess those things right now. We bring them before you, Father. We recognize that they are not good for us, oh God, and we release them to you. Lord, we ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness in those areas of our lives, oh God. Lord, I thank you right now that you are releasing the love of your spirit, that you're releasing healing anointing to come into those parts of us, oh God. Lord, I thank you right now for restoration, that you restore, God, not with the old, but with the new. Lord, that we are bright and shiny, Lord, that we are the stars like the heavens, oh Father. Lord, I thank you that we were not just flicker for a moment, but we will last our lifetime, oh God, like Daniel, like his friends, Father. Lord, right now we receive of you and we thank you that you cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. You know, it's good to do this every once in a while. Just every, it's a good practice in our life to just do a little self-assessment, release it before the Lord. And right now I'm gonna break off, I feel like, some people are just, they're bringing shame on themselves. No more, stop it. God does not see you that way, stop it. 
God's got better for you. So right now in the name of Jesus, I bind and I break any spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. Spirit of fear that would cause insecurity. Right now I declare it broken by the power of your name, Jesus. I declare shame right now, breaking off of people. Lord, I thank you right now that shame is broken. It is released never to come back again. I, I rebuke the accuser who accuses day and night of what he has done. Lord, I, I rebuke Satan and every demonic force that would come against sons and daughters of the living God. We break and bind your power. We say no more. In the name of Jesus, we release freedom over everyone tonight. We release the love of your spirit. We release healing, anointing. We release courage right now to begin to rise on the inside of us. Oh Lord, make us bold and courageous. Lord, I thank you right now. Lord, I thank you, Father God, that we have your spirit to cling to in our times of temptation. Lord, I thank you that from today forward, we would fall more in love with you, so in love with you that it would cause us to reach for you. And right now, oh God, Lord, I thank you. I pray, Father God, for favor and compassion. Lord, just like you gave it to Daniel. Lord, we ask for it tonight. Lord, would you give us favor on our lives? Not because we deserve it, but because it's yours to give. So Lord, I thank you right now for favor that will bring us before our supervisors. Favor that will bring us before education boards. Favor that will bring us into the political arena. Favor that will bring us to the heads of state. Favor that will give us positions that we never earned. Favor, oh God, amplified on our life. I thank you that goodness and mercy is in us, oh God. I thank you for every good gift from heaven above and that it would be amplified. I thank you, oh Lord, for favor on our lives, oh God. And then right now, I thank you for compassion. Oh Lord, let compassion so fill us that when we look at those around us, we look through your eyes. We see beyond the dirt. We see beyond the sin. We see beyond the, the shortcomings and we see you. We see what can be. We see you on the inside of people. Oh Lord, that compassion would cause us to reach out in need when we don't feel like reaching out. Lord, I thank you for compassion to so fill our hearts to look beyond bad attitudes, oh God. Lord, I thank you for compassion to so grip our hearts, oh God, that would override what we see in the natural, oh God, but that we would see in the spiritual, Father. Lord, I thank you for compassion, oh God, that would go to the weak, that would go to the sick and lay our hands on them that they might be healed. Lord, I thank you right now for compassion to so fill our hearts that it would cause us to live for you. Lord, today I thank you that I'm standing in a room full of Daniels and Daniela's. I thank you that I'm standing in a room full of brave, courageous, fearless warriors. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. Lord, cover them, protect them. Oh Lord, though, that they would shine like the stars in the heavens that their shine would shine forever. We thank you for these things. In your name we pray. Can I get a really big amen? Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.